are now listening to the Knee Deep Podcast presented by Dark Horse Tackle. Jason, how are you? My guy. I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit sick, but yes. it's Friday and uh, the yes. weekend is coming up and yes. the weather is beautiful. So is it? I, I'm ready to get at it. It is, dude. It's like 72 know. degrees out right now. That's true. It's not hot. That's it's not true. like a desert. We have a very special guest on today. Yes, we do. We have Ben from the Rising Tides Project. Ben, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, man. Um, let's just get right into it, Ben. Okay. Explain what the Rising Tides Project is for our listeners. Yeah, so it's um, you know it started as a passion project for me. I've been an avid fisherman since a kid, and I've always found you know like you guys, it's it's the place to go to reset, relax. And um, I took some people out fishing just that were struggling with some stuff and it and something kind of clicked and I turned it into a nonprofit organization that endeavors to take out people who are struggling with what I call low tide moments. Um, you know, whether it's severe clinical stuff like depression or it's just hey, I'm having a rough patch of life right now. And, you know, what we're trying to do is introduce people to fishing and and create an outlet for them to turn to when they're when they're in those low tide moments so that's that's the elevator pitch yeah no i i like it i'm a fan um i like that you call it a moment i like that you talk about low tide moments um because you know uh trigger warning folks this could get deep um i'm gonna try my best to keep it light it's it is a moment um it's not permanent these these bad feelings, these bad times, you know, a bad day is a bad day. It's not a bad life. It's just, you know, like me personally, I've got a lot of financial stuff going on, man, but I still have to wake up every day and just try to do my best. And, you know, just one foot in front of the other. Um, I like that. So you're kind of, do you do like fishing guide trips? Yeah. So essentially what uh, I've done the last couple of years is kind of one-on-one and sort of small group trips where I'll take groups out, mostly kayak fishing, but we'll go from the bank. I have a bass boat. Um, I've got access to, to people that have charter boats and so forth. And um, but this year we created a club and we can talk about that later if you want. Or sure. And it creates, it creates a new dynamic because now you have a group of people that are all sort of dealing with their own junk. And there's power in, in, in that kind of um, group okay. setting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like so that. let me just disclaimer, I'm not a licensed therapist or sure. counselor. Um, so I always feel like I need to put that out there because I'm not I'm not one to give specific advice like a clinical person would. Well, so I'm just a guy that knows how to catch fish. And my the best advice I've ever gotten did not come from clinical therapists. And I've right. been to a myriad. Right. Yeah. I don't know. For me, fishing's always been that way, though. Like, fishing right. has always been like, you know, everything in life is really hard right now. Maybe not necessarily for me, uh, for a lot of people. And I feel like if we were able to get more people outside fishing, um, right. just into the elements, just into nature, people forget about everything. It's it's amazing how fast you can forget about the entire rest of the world by just spending a few hours in a creek or in a river or just off the beaten path somewhere, um, how fast that can actually free your mind and just make you feel better. Um, as cliche as it might sound, it, uh, it definitely makes you feel better. It makes me feel better. 
Absolutely, Jason. And, and, you know, some of, um, some of my best times have been either fishing alone where you're sort of listening to that inner voice a little bit and kind of working through your own stuff. Um, and, but consequently I've been with buddies, college buddies and people that fish with me and we've had the best time just in, in the group setting. So, you know, I think it swings both ways across that, that, uh, spectrum. I think, um, fishing and being outside, like I've told Jason, and again, it's going to be a cliche. This, this episode might be full of cliches. Who knows? I don't really (laughs) mind, but a lot of people say, you know, oh, I go fishing to escape, escape everyday life, escape this dude. I go fishing to like, enjoy life. I go fishing to, you know, explore life and understand life and be a part of the life that I want to have. Like going to work every single day from nine to five, that's, there's no way you can't, you can't convince me again. We're everybody listening. We are not licensed therapists. We're not clinical therapists. None of us are psychologists. I have done plenty of research on the human condition and the brain itself solely because of my own things I have going on. But you can't tell me with a straight face, humans were meant to work nine to five jobs only five days a week and get the weekends off. Can't tell me that. Right. It's, it's just not, you know, it's not a, it's not a thing. So Ben, where are you out of? I'm out of Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, right now. I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm a Southern guy. So I, I fish the uh, Gulf of Mexico and the marshes and in the Mississippi River, Louisiana Delta. That's kind of oh, how gosh. I grew up. Yeah. yeah. And then and then we moved to the Midwest uh, almost two decades ago now for a job. And um, I, I coach a lot. I coached high school football and baseball. I've been around a lot of young people. And that's what really sparked this is you know, when you're coaching someone and you're seeing the home life they're going to or the lack of coping skills or resources that they have, um, you know, I just felt like this was a great opportunity to use fishing as a, as a platform and as a, something that they could lean into during those tough times. And and as you guys know, I mean, you can fish till, you know, you're a hundred years old. Um, So it's something that you can carry for the rest of your life you know, versus a softball league or something else where, you know, there's maybe a bit of a shelf life there. So yeah. that, that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, Michigan's been great. It's been an adjustment uh, yeah. as far as ice fishing, as far as, you know, the, the clear the water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the different type of, uh, you know, methods that, that Midwesterners fish versus down South a little bit. And uh, it's different. It's been, it's been a great, enjoyable uh discovery for us so yeah okay so since you've been oh god jason since you've been to uh you know uh north america and well i mean whatever we're not gonna do that but so (laughs) since you have fished in michigan and you have fished in um uh, louisiana what what do you say is better largemouth or smallmouth it's your species of choice because i'm telling you man michigan people have got it good when it comes to smallmouth fishing agreed you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know that I caught a small mouth since I, until I moved to the Midwest, it's all large mouth and, you know, you can fish year around there and they get big, really big, you know, and I fished in Florida and in Texas and obviously in the, like I said, the Mississippi Delta, Louisiana and so forth. And, and you get some chunks out there. I've loved smallmouth up here. Those suckers are aggressive. Um, I can fish them a little differently. Um, and I, I've, some of my best fishing experiences here in the Midwest have been with smallies for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, and this might, you know, this might start a turf war, but I'm 100% down <laughs> to fight in it. Um, Northern fish fight harder. That includes largemouth and smallmouth. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, a Northern strain largemouth makes Southern fish and, and the Southern guys, you guys can get as mad as you want, but you've never caught a largemouth bass that was 18 inches and five and a half pounds and mad, yeah, mad, yeah. you know, jumping every two seconds. It doesn't feel like you're reeling in a log and you're just hoping it doesn't come off. This fish is yeah. trying its best to get back to where it came from. I would agree with that. Uh, and I've gotten into to pike and walleye and oh, yeah musky and and uh you know a lot of a lot of trout i'm in the fly fishing now so a lot of trout and salmon and stuff and uh it's it's a different experience for sure but those smallies are great man i i love i love hooking into those guys oh for sure so moving to you know one spectrum of the country you know one come you know south all the way up to you know, as far as like the inland united states goes one of the most northern points of the country um did you become a hockey guy? I got to say, I'm not much of a hockey guy. I'm still a bit of a football yes, guy. Uh, I'm an Good Orleans girl. Saints diehard. So yeah. I, I LSU, you know, I, I live up here. Everybody's got Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame flags. And I got my, you know, my LSU flag. Or whatever Those going. Michigan guys are so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of an outcast for sure. Hey, I mean, it is what it is. I think that's a beauty of like the beauty of sports. So like my dad is right. from Tennessee and we live in Ohio, yeah. Jason and I, um, yeah. my dad's from Tennessee, Tennessee did not have like, I don't think any professional sports teams as he was growing up in Tennessee. So he was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because his dad was a Cincinnati Bengals fan and oh. he wanted to, you know, spite his dad. Yeah. Um, Boston Red Sox baseball. And you know, it's just one of those things where he's all over the place. But that's that's the cool thing about that culture of sports where it's, yeah. you know, no matter where you go, there's going to be somebody that's kind of against the grain. Like like Jason here who roots for um, whatever football team he likes to play on. And I'm very similar. Well, okay. Um, I think no, we've settled. I think hold we've on, settled. Hold on. I'm wait sorry. a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. That's true for the NFL. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the players. Yeah. I like the players way more than I like the wealthy um, – men that own these teams. Uh, I, I don't care about general managers. I don't care about owners. Um, I, I like players. So I do root in the NFL for all kinds of different players and all kinds of different teams. And it just matters, you know, just, it just matters who's playing that weekend um, for college football, Scarlet and gray all the way. Uh, not a chance <laughs> of anything blue or yellow being in my house, uh, period. No plates, no pillows, nothing. Uh, everything is red and gray, and I don't hate it. There you go. Big Buckeye guy. There you go. And Josh, you can shove that hockey. What can I do with hockey, Jason? You can shove it. Ah, no, <laughs> bud. No way. I it's it's a great time to become a hockey fan right now, and here's Man. why. Here's why. It's it's East Coast Finals. It's West Coast Finals. You have two of the greatest offensive players. In Jason and I's age range, no offense, Ben. And then you have two of the best goalies on the East Coast to play the game right now. And you've got it's it's always like Jason, you can relate to this. You know, when you're watching a Super Bowl game, let's just say, let's just say in a perfect world, buddy, Marino and Favre played against each other. Let's just say in a perfect world, Marino and Elway. I'm sorry, Marino and Elway, Favre and Manning. 
that's that's what we have going on right now in the hockey world. We've got two greats on one side, two greats on the other, and it's a battle. But that's the beauty of sports itself is that it is a battle. And with you coaching, did I don't know if you said the age range, but the age range doesn't really matter. So as a coach, you know, obviously you're there as, you know, a play caller, a, you know, you're in, you're out, this, that, hey, where's your head at, blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, you're there as a mentor. Um, Did, you know, were you doing the Rising Tides project before coaching football? Like, or did you realize like, man, I could, I could be a mentor for more people, you know, doing through like hobbies or other passions, like you said, passion project through other passions of mine. Like how did that all unfold? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So the first part is I was not doing rising tides officially uh, with, you know, the brand and the logo and the incorporation and everything. I was doing it just as a, you know, kid going through rough patch. Hey, you know, let's go, man, bass are biting this weekend. Let's get out on the water and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, my my son actually plays uh, at Otterbein University. There. Oh, really? Yeah. He's That's right down the street from my house. Oh, there we go. Um, and so when he uh, when I stopped coaching football, I kind of had this void and I continued to fish. And a lot of my old players reached out and you know, I've, so the mentorship piece was there for sure. And, you know, one of the seminal moments where I really realized this, this could be something was I was, I took uh, a guy out who, who I had coached and, you know, I just wanted to put him on some fish, just like you do anybody you're guiding for and to have a good time. And within about 30 minutes, you know, he's like, coach, you know, man, I really have all these regrets and I wish I had done this differently. And I made this mistake and I'm looking back at what I had done. And, and it, it turned into this like pseudo therapy session. I'm in one kayak and he's two feet away in the other kayak and we're throwing, you know, crankbaits or whatever. And, and just having this kind of in-depth conversation. And I got back and boy, it just, it was just like tickling my soul for a couple of weeks. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta scratch this itch. What is this? And I started inviting more and more people out. And a lot of them were, you know, old players that I had worked with and so forth. And, before I knew it, I was like, I'm, I kind of stumbled onto something here. This is a great platform. So to answer your question, the mentor piece, it just carried over for me. And, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't sit here and say I'm the greatest coach ever. I coached a long time, but for me, it was more of a lot of these young folks don't have a, a male role model in their lives. And if I could provide that um, and just be a guy who, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a pat on the back and sometimes you got to get it, you know, into somebody's grill and, and set them straight. And they're not, they don't have either of that at home. Um, and so providing that sometimes was the only structure that some of these, some of these young people had. And um, it, it definitely resonated with me and, um, and with a lot of these players, cause they, they call me all the time to get it back out on the water. So. I, I like that. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to take away from anything that you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to preface it with this, but it doesn't take a special person to reach out. It takes right. human nature and it takes being a human being. You know, if, right. if you've got a buddy, if you've got somebody you knew for years, you know, you've seen ups and downs, you'll know if something's wrong with these people. And, right. you know, Jason and I, we've had plenty of these types of conversations where, you know, I'm sure if, 
I called Jason and I was like, Hey buddy, you want to go fishing and talk about our feelings? He'd immediately be like, what? No. But if I'm like, Hey man, you want to go fishing? And we just end up doing it. You know, that's, that's that natural, you know, you're not sitting on the leather couch. You don't have a bunch of books that might interest you to get you to lean into talking. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's a conversation that leads to other conversations. And that's, you know, there's so many things that you can do that with, you know, and, and fortunately for you, it's fishing because if it wasn't fishing, you wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be having this conversation, but you know, fishing's a great activity to do, to just kind of sit and wait and, you know, talk and just shoot it and feel good. You know, if it's a great place to get stuff off your chest, you know, and it doesn't have to be, deep emotional stuff. I mean, half the time Jason and I go fishing, it's just, especially him and I used to work together. You know, we just, Hey, can you believe that this guy's doing this? You know, can you believe this guy? And, you know, we would, we'd have an airing of grievances and we'd go back to fishing and, you know, that airing of grievances for a lot of people could be really helpful. And like you said, with the, um, the parental thing, you know, a lot of guys, and, and gals, obviously, but a lot of people, they, you know, they're missing a parent. Um, but a, a lot of people also have this, uh, I've recently discovered this term, um, absent present parent syndrome is, hmm. is what I saw it as being called. Whereas, you know, it's not that your parents aren't there, but it's like, you know, unless it's something that they're necessarily interested in, yeah. They're really not going to, you know, if, if you come at, you know, hypothetically, I come at my dad with a topic that he doesn't know anything about. He'll just be like, well, I don't know anything about that. Right. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm just on my own to figure this one out. And, so, you know, go ahead. you know, you could, I mean, just to your point, you could have a front row seat in somebody's life. Yes. You could, be sitting, you could be sitting in the back row and you're still in the theater. You're still in the arena. So you're, you're like you said, you're present physically, but you're disengaged, disconnected. You're Correct. not, you're not shaping that person. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody recently, um, you know, you know, to, to go on a deep topic with, you know, the, the, the shootings in Texas. Sure. So. And I said, you know, I think you have to be willing to be as a parent disliked to be loved. And I think yeah. and what I mean by that is you got to You got to put structure down. You got to put boundaries down. You got to be willing to say no. You got to be willing to be the mean person or whatever to get them through these tough times. And um, and I think they'll love you down the road for that. And so to your point there, you know, I, I in my real life, I run a health club. And, you know, we have a lot of clients that I see the kids just get they get kind of dropped off and, you know, go do your thing. And I'm going to be over here. They're just not engaged. They're not in the yeah. front row. They're in the back row. They're, yeah. And and some of them have even left the building and say, call me when you're done. Exactly. Um, That's exactly You know, right. and that that I um I work out at the Westerville Rec Center. So if your son goes to Otterbein, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, yeah, I, I go to I, this I, rec center and. A lot of times when I worked, I would work out at night. So, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and there'd be a line of cars and there'd just be kids getting dropped off in flocks. And, you know, you're trying to work out and you've just got kids acting up. And to your point, you know, that whole, 
you know, be the bad guy. So later you can be the good guy. Right. Um, you know, that, that wasn't there. And, right. you know, then if, if I have to, and, and Jason and I have talked about this with, in regards to like, you know, cause Jason has kids. I don't. Um, and I'll let Jason talk about his kids, but you know, I'm, I'm sure when Jason sees how other kids act with his kids, he's like, Whoa, no, no, no. We haven't had this conversation yet. We're not doing this one. And, you know, I have to be the guy to have this conversation with these kids, yeah. you know, and it's like, dude, Hey, I'm going to give you some perspective. All right. Everybody here that's up here on this level, we're all trying to better our lives. And if you're up here distracting us, if you're up here filming TikToks, if you're up here for lack of a better term, acting like an asshole, we yep. are not able to do that. So right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to react to you. I'm going to just explain to you the situation because when I was a kid, I was reacted to a lot because I was a bad kid. And when they reacted to me, I'm like, this is what I wanted. You know what I right. mean? But if somebody exactly. would have came to me and just put their hands on my shoulders and been like, Hey man, this is what we're doing. And, and you're kind of, you're kind of taken away from that. Yeah. And if they would have given me, you know, some kind of emotion to it, you know, that would have, that would have turned that around real quick. I'd have been like, damn, like I feel really bad now. Well, and, and, you know, so in, in my day job, like I said, I, I employ about a hundred people and a lot of them are, are young people, you know, high schoolers, early college and the life skill set that they lack is amazing. You know, the ability to look somebody in the eye, the ability to, to have a conversation um, the ability to problem solve, the ability to show up on time. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking for employee of the year stuff. I'm, I'm just looking for basic life skills. And I'm just, a, again, I'm a big proponent that that starts at the home. It starts early in the formulative years. And, you know, I'm certainly not a perfect dad by, by any stretch. In fact, if my kids barge in, they'd, they'd probably tell you otherwise. But, but the point is, I think if you're present you give yourself a fighting chance. And yeah. a lot of these kids I see, they either like you to kind of circle all, all the way back around. They're either not present or they're present, but it's parenting by distraction. Here's a video game. Here's a TV. Here's a tablet. Yeah. And that's distracting. That's not necessarily parenting. And it's just my opinion, but I see the, um, I guess the, the results of that both through rising tides project and then, but also through being an employer that a lot of these young folks are, they're just not ready for life at all. Um, and I'm not that I was at 17 or 18, but these kids have zero life skills. I mean, they're starting from square one a lot of times. And um, you know, it, it's, it's what we endeavor to do with rising tide, you know, is to provide that outlet, like we said. So. Yeah. I'm everybody. I think unsolicited advice that it, it's kind of, kind of another, you know, little cliche unsolicited, but solicited advice. Yeah. Like you're throwing it out there and it's not that you're not wanting anybody to say anything, but you're also open to, you know, you're open to hearing it, but you don't want anybody to say anything. It's like my opinion kind of thing, like in quotations, but like yeah. if somebody says something, you'll listen. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, I don't know how to describe it. 
No, yeah. I think I think you made a point. Jason, you had something? As, yeah. as a parent, you were talking a little bit earlier about structure and things like that and, you know, having some hard rules and hard lines that, hey, this is the line, you don't cross it. Um, man, I tell you, like, <laughs> I try every day to be better. Um, that is, that's when I wake up in the morning, I take the first step out of bed and I'm like, how can I be better today than I was yesterday? What can I do today that I wish I would have done differently yesterday? Um, that's how I do things, but man, is <laughs> it's tough. Um, a lot of the times I find myself saying no, um, for no reason, like for no other reason other than I said no. Like, and that's that's like my hardest thing that I that I try so hard not to say no all the time. Like, because really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you know if somebody wants a piece of gum or not. Like, why do I have to say no? Like, well, like it's just it's an instinctual thing for me. Um, no, we're not going to go across the street and play with the kids. But why? I mean, all I'm going to do is come inside and do some dishes. I can do that when the kids go to bed. Like, right. why can't I take them? Over? Like, why does it always have to be no? Um, tonight, actually, for a matter of fact, I, I stopped myself. Um, we pulled in to our to our house and the kids were across the street playing. My kids were freaking out, rolling down the windows, trying to talk to the kids. You could tell that they wanted to play. And the kids are like, can we go over there and play? And I'm like, well, I haven't been feeling good all day. Like I, I've had, you know, severe dehydration problems all day today, uh, to where I quite a few times I've passed out or come close to passing out or, uh, just, you know, extremely tired and fatigued and been drinking coconut water and all kinds of electrolytes all day long. Um, so the first thing that came out of my mouth was, no, we don't need to play with them today. And I'm like, that's not fair though. Like, it's not their fault that I don't feel good. It's not their fault. Like, you know, so why can't they go over there and enjoy their day? So I was like, you know what, whatever. I'll sit outside. I'll drink my coconut water. You guys go right ahead and play with those kids. But like that, as a parent, man, that's, that is my hardest thing to overcome is just continuously saying no for no other reason other than to just say it. Right. Well, it's, you know, it's a balance, right? So, I mean, people are tired. We have, um, you know, fatigue coming off of, covid and all that kind of stuff it just you know fatigues you if and um so i think you got to strike that balance of of what you just said is turning inward and going okay why did i say that why did i put my foot down um but sometimes you you know you need to and there doesn't necessarily have to be a perfect explanation um but you know it's a balance so i you mentioned balance um and Anytime anybody asks me for some kind of life advice, and and, and Jason can probably tell you because I I talk about it all the time, and the irony of me talking about it is that it is the opposite of what I'm about to preach. Um, I think that balance and moderation is the key to life. Um, There's there's two things that I focus on anytime interacting with people and living my own life, and that is finding a balance, finding some kind of moderation, and understanding nuance you know understanding why is this person saying this to me where are they coming from type deal um instead of just reacting uh reacting is really easy you know positively or negatively reacting is very easy similarly to what jason said about you know just you know wanting to say no to his kids i honestly think if i had kids i would never say no and i'd just be like yeah let's do it let's do it let's do it, let's do it. until there was just one day i'm like i can't 
do it anymore, dude. I'm sorry. And that's not balanced. You know, like the kid, you know, the kid could be eight years old. They'd be like, dad, for the past, you know, 2,700 days of my life, you've said yes. And now you say no. And it's going to be an absolute volcanic eruption. But I would have a hard time looking at, you know, my kid, especially like I have a hard time, like, you know, when, when I'm with like my friends who have kids and they're like, Hey Josh, can I do this? I'm like, dude, I don't care. Do it. It'll probably be funny. But you know, and then the parents come in they're like, no, 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 no. He, he can't do that. And I'm like, well, I'm, Hey man, I'm the bad guy. I'm sorry. But like, if it was my own kid and they were like, Hey dad, I want to do this. I'd be like, yep, do it, please. By all means. I, you say that until you have kids, Josh. I know, I know. I know. Exhausted and broke. <laughs> I know. You're 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 gonna be you're gonna <laughs> be exhausted from working all day. You're gonna be like, man, my kid does not need to eat a piece of cake or a piece of you know ice cream every single day. So no, um, Jason, like, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to have a child until we sell one of the Apache helicopters that we own. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so for sure. That I, is. We have to sell one of those back. I don't care if I don't care if we sell it to a foreign country and they reverse engineer it, dude. I, you know, I kind of I got bills to pay. You know what I mean? But so go ahead. Ben, Ben, what is the what is the future of rising tides look like for you? Like, where are you trying to get with it? Where are you trying to go? Do you have like a a destination in your head where you're like, yeah, that's that's where I want to be. What is your aspiration? Yeah, that's a dangerous question because I because I'm definitely an idea man. Um, so I I'll tell you in the I'll give you the the I guess the immediate, and then we'll talk kind of future. So in in the immediate, you know, opportunities like the one I'm having right now with you guys are are really important and crucial for me to get the message out and to to grow it. Um, I found this very unique space in between the mental health world and between the fishing community. And in some ways, the graphic design community, social media community, that that has also kind of triggered some things with me. Um, and I'm trying to just develop that space and, and see kind of what that means. Um, I'm looking for opportunities to continue to raise money because the goal is that everybody fish with me leave with a tackle box, uh, you know, with all the gear and a rod reel combo and whatever they need so that if they never see me again, they can't have an excuse of saying, well, I can't fish cause I don't have any gear. So we're, we're approaching that point. We've had some incredible success fundraising and some really remarkable donors that have stepped up. Um, I have all the gear. So I have kayaks, I have a bass boat, I have a John boat. I've got, I'm looking at 25 rigs right now. And, and it's all through the donations and things that we've raised. I, I make zero money, full transparency. In fact, this costs me money, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to turn anybody away because I never know when and that's the one time that I might be able to make an impact on somebody. Um, so let me add one more point. And then, Jason, I'll get to your kind of zoomed out question. So the fishing club is a new piece for me. And so last year, because of some scheduling, I was trying to take one guy out and I kind of double booked myself with another guy. And I was like, Hey, do you guys both mind if we go together? You know, you're on the same age and you might like each other. And in their own worlds, they were a little bit of the loner, quiet, introspective kid dealing with kind of their own personal stuff. But I got them out on the water together and something 
incredible happened. It, it was magical. They instantly started talking to each other. They instantly started comparing notes like, like we would. Hey, is that a slow retrieve, fast retrieve? Are you twitching it? You know, and I literally sat back in kind of my main kayak that has everything rigged out and just watched these two guys go at it and, hey, look, I got a bite over here. Try over here. I think there's a hole. There's a school. Throw on that log, you know, the whole thing. And I just watched these two. And I got back to the shore and their, their moms were there to pick them up. And they were like teary-eyed, the moms. They're like, I, they don't have friends necessarily in, the, in this capacity. And it was an amazing dynamic. So, so season two for me is all about the club. And we've talked about youth because that's kind of where my comfort zone is as far as coaching, high school and so forth. But I've, I work with adults. I'm working with military organizations right now. Um, I'm getting interest from the senior population, um, you know, who are dealing with kind of their own stuff. And so the spectrum is, is wide open. This is not specifically a youth thing. Um, it, it could be, you know, a 60 year old. I mean, um, was it, it was Naomi Judd, right? The other day, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, died of suicide and she was what in her seventies. Oh yeah. She was, um, gosh, that was a singer, right? Yeah. A country singer. And, and it's like, you know, these, these mental health issues, they don't have an expiration date. They don't no. go away at a certain age. It's, you know, and it flips the switch. If, if, if left undealt with or, or without resource, um, or like you guys said, a, a buddy where you can just lean into, it'll continue to grow as, as life stressors continue. So in the immediate, we're, we're kind of trying to find our footing. We're trying to create a financial model that makes sense uh, through our retail, you know, we got a hat, a shirt, all the proceeds from anything we sell on our online shop goes towards helping these people out hundred percent. Yeah. To zoom out. Um, I would love to create fishing clubs all over um, under the rising tide brand. I think there's opportunities to find communities like Westerville, um, like, you know, uh, Muskegon, you know, up here in, in Louisiana or you know, Baton Rouge or whatever, and create versions of this, almost kind of like a boys and girls club, um, where there are in individuals like ourselves who are into fishing and into helping others. And I work with them and develop them to be, you know, the mentors in this program. And they fall under the rising tides umbrella from an insurance standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, we can get some, um, you know, economies of scale on, on purchasing gear. So instead of buying three reels, I'm buying 30 reels at a discounted price and those types of things. Um, and I think it has a larger impact. Um, one of the things that is, is really working well is the networking that I'm making, as I said, with coaches, with churches and youth groups, with um, counselors, therapists. There's a very strong referral uh, component out there because a lot of parents and, and mental health professionals don't really know where to send these kids, you know? Um, and so we want to be at the top of that list as an opportunity. And, you know, again, you have to, you don't have to own any equipment. You don't have to have ever baited a hook in your life. We will teach you the ABCs and get you out on the water. Yeah. So here's, here's why I think you're awesome, Ben. I think you're awesome because what you're doing right now is something that I honestly have talked to my wife about so many times, but I'm like, 
I don't know how I would do that. Like I tell her all the time, I would love to be a high school football coach. Like I would love to help kids. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of absent parents and a lot of kids that aren't getting the love and attention that they need and that they, that they should have. Like, and then that's going to make them not develop. Like when they get older, like to be able to help develop somebody, like, I, I think that's incredible. And then I was talking to my wife, like, I would love to find ways to take people's kids fishing. Like, if I could get kids into the outdoors, like, and get them away from every noise, every sound, and just put them in nature. Like, that, that'll change them. 100% that'll change them. Absolutely. And that's why I love what you're doing, man. So well, thank you. And, you know, the, the thing that's really cool now that I take groups out is, is, is and, and you guys know this, we go out on the water in, in you know, multiple kayaks. And some of them want to get real close to me and they're not sure yet. They don't know what's going on. They they're nervous that they're going to get snagged. They're nervous. They're going to get a bird's nest. And they're just kind of, you know, real anxious. And then we have some that hit the water and they go off to a different side of the lake and we have kind of a signal system. Everything's good. Yep. Good. Thumbs up. And, you know, um, they are more independent. So everybody can be within that space on the lake. And some can be closer to me and, and until they feel comfortable kind of drifting out and some can just, you know, hit the water and go and everything in between. So it, it provides an opportunity for really any, any age, any skill level, and really wherever you are on that spectrum. Cause I work with some people that are not going through anything super major, you know, they've had some bumps and bruises. And the way I view that is you will, you will. You know, you're, you're going to have an issue. You're going to have a job that lost. You're going to get a divorce. You're going to, you know, foreclose on something. Something's going to happen in your life. Some kind of trauma. Some kind of trauma. It's going to spin you downward. And, and where are you going to turn to? And if you don't have the resources and, and you have access to the wrong crowd, you're going to turn to alcohol. You're going to turn to drugs. You're going to turn to all of those things. And because they're so accessible. And what just you know, again, at the very base core, we just want to create fishing as, as a go-to opportunity that a person can, can really latch onto. So, um, we, we, I'm excited. I, I, uh, I don't sleep much. I probably see bags under my eyes because once an idea gets a hold of me, um, you know, it just grabs me and goes, and I've, I've been researching some stuff with senior homes and retirement homes. And, uh, again, I'm doing a lot with the military right now, and I'm really kind of forging into that world of, of PTSD and some of these organizations that work with, with veterans and with soldiers. And again, you can paint it however you want to paint it, but a mental health issue, regardless of how it's triggered, your socioeconomic status, your, your geographical location, it is what it is. And it's a real thing. And, um, you know, again, we, we want to push fishing as a really viable option for these folks. Absolutely. And no matter where you come from, like you said, it doesn't matter how old you are, where you come from, if you are have like if you have gone through something or if you are going to go through something, uh, there's a 100 percent chance that at some point in your life you will go through something because yeah. we're all humans. Uh, so for them to know that the outdoors is always there, that there's always an escape, that there's always a place that they can go to okay. shut everything off and just, you know, get in get in touch with nature. You can. Um, you can literally just walk out the door and, and, you know, walk until you don't see houses anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we're so um, overwhelmed now by what I'd call exterior voices, you know, the TV and the internet and all these social things media, us, 
social media telling us what we should think, what we should look like, what we who we should vote on, what we should yeah. feel about this. And I think we've muted that internal voice. And I, I personally feel like when you get out there in nature, you allow that to, to kind of unmute and to, to amplify and you can listen to really what's going on in your heart and your soul and it'll help guide you. You know, it's going to be a true compass point for you. See, honestly, and it doesn't matter what religion people have, but in my opinion, like that is the closest that you can get to God is being in nature like that. Like that is the closest. I agree. I agree. A hundred percent agree. There's, there's like a spiritual, it's like a spiritual awakening that there happens anytime, anytime I end up in a PP deep Creek or river <laughs> um, and just catch smallmouth, man, that's, that's it for me. That's, um, that's living, man. That's good living. So to add to Jason's point, um, what he said earlier, I, I think that as human beings, like everybody needs a mentor, um, right. you know, male, female, otherwise, what have you, you know, three years old to 85 years old, it doesn't matter. Um, Everybody has gone through, for lack of a better word, some shit. And there are more people in this world who have gone through that same shit that you have, you know, and that kind of relativity can do a lot of favors for people. And even if you're not relatable, if the situation itself is not relatable to what you have gone through, you can still be there, you know, as somebody, you know, who has experienced something, whether it be true, you know, one person's trauma is another person's Tuesday. So like that kind of stuff, you know, and, and it never does anybody favors when it's just like, Hey man, I'm going through some stuff. And you got some guy who's like, ah, just get over it. Thanks. Thanks man. Cause like, Yeah, I just reached out and that was my attempt. That's all I had. That was the only way that I could express to you that I'm having a really bad time. And, you know, that's just something that me personally, I'll never have in me to do to another person. Um, We have, as uh, in in the Dark Horse Tackle world, gotten some very cryptic messages from people. Yeah. and, and sometimes it's gotten really weird. You know, people talk about their mental health, but then it's like, well, if you sent me a free box, everything would be okay. And it's like, man, <laughs> did you need help? You know, cause like I can help you. Like I can talk to you about what's going on, but you know, we, <laughs> we're kind of going through some stuff in the sense that we have to sell an Apache helicopter just to make ends meet. So, you know, <laughs> And nobody's buying. I don't know if you've seen. The and market. the market's dry. Right. It's a I soft don't know if you've market seen the market. Huh? <laughs> a soft market. Okay. Nobody's buying Apaches right now. I promise you. But everybody could use some mentorship. Um, whether you know, whether you call it mentorship or not, you know what I mean. Like me and Jason going out together and fishing. Whether he wants to say it out loud or not, that's therapy for both of us. That's yeah. just. That's just us going out having a good time, doing what we want to do, you know, doing what you want to do is important. Um, Having the time, having just that time segment, whether it's an hour, whether it's the entire day, just going out and being able to do what you want to do at your leisure, at your freedom, you know, there's just that, that feeling of accomplishment, whether you get, you know, whether you 
do all of it that you want to do. It's still in your hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, mentorship is about insight, perspective, and wisdom, you know? Um, and I think it goes back to a little bit kind of what I was saying philosophically about parenting, which is that sometimes you, you have to ask the question that nobody's willing to ask. And, you know, I, I find it, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit of a, like a sociology nerd or something, but I find it interesting when I, when I look at certain individuals on say Facebook and to me, what that is, it's an opportunity for me to prop up the version of myself that I want all of you to see. Right because maybe I'm masking or hiding something that I don't want you to see. Yeah. And I, I know folks that put stuff out there and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a minute, man. You, you don't have it all figured out. Not even close, but that's the image you want out there. So then the follow-up question to that is why, like, why is it important to you to in, like in your case, Josh, to, to, when you were younger to, to get attention, you said you were doing rough things and bad things to get attention. So my question would be what attention are you lacking? What do you miss? To to yeah. answer your question, yeah, I don't know. I think I was uh, I, to be honest with you, I was definitely addicted to the thrill. That is the closest thing that I could bring to you. You know, being a sixteen-year-old at the mall and just staring down a man that was in his thirties and and running my mouth—it was all about the thrill, one hundred percent. Whether, regardless of what happens once the physical confrontation happens, it was all about the thrill. It was just he, haha. Can you believe that? That's it. But, but yeah, no, that... <laughs> <laughs> a hellraiser, a true hellraiser, hellraiser. 100%. But you know, I think there's, I think there's deeper parts of that too, though. That, that it was like it was important for you to personify yourself as maybe a tough guy. Well, I can actually. Actually, I can, I can, I can, I can be 100% honest and I, and I don't mind, you know, going this deep into it. Um, okay. I, I was severely depressed. I was on antidepressants that made me more depressed um, right. to the point where life was so bad that, you know, you just want to feel something, right. you know, and, and yeah. fishing isn't doing it. And right. I, I was scared to drink because my dad told me, you know, if you come home, smelling like alcohol. I'm going to do this and that. So, you know, what's the middle ground between fishing and drinking, going out to the mall and acting like a dickhead. That's so, so for that minute, while you confronted somebody, you felt alive. Exactly. Right. So, exactly. So that was the drug for you. Is that 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, so I think when you, you know, when you start peeling back layers and you ask the right questions and you, and you, and again, I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm not, Hey, you're fine. Full, dis full disclosure. My wife's a psychologist though. Um, oh, but, that's where you get it, huh? You're reading yeah, your books. I'm always yeah. psychoanalyzed <laughs> at home. Um, but no, you know, I think, I think, like I said, and, and your point was perfect about, about being absent and present at the same time is, is if you're not asking the questions of why is this kid acting up? What does he need? What is he, you know, um, what is he missing or lacking? Can I provide that? Can I point him or her in the, in the direction of someone or something, an organization that can provide that? Um, you know, can I get that person turned on to a sport or a craft or, or music or an outdoor activity or something that maybe it's not the same thrill, but something fairly close and they start to feel confident, some self-worth. That's what it is. 
on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's I lacked what I, confidence for sure. And I gained confidence through, you know, taking, um, you know, taking a beating or giving one, um, right. exactly. that it, and, and it's, it's, uh, what is, what is the word? It is, it is so caveman like, you know, it's yeah. so Jurassic to, but that, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to when, when you're not getting certain needs met, um, you turn into a caveman, you know, right. when, when you're in a bad relationship and you don't know how to express that the relationship's bad, what do you do? Generally people go and do something bad to explain to them how bad the relationship is and why they did that, because it's so bad that I had to do this, but it makes everybody the bad guy. You see, I could have easily just, you know, but, but that's the problem as a child, you know, you don't know that you don't know, right. you know, Oh man, I'm lacking confidence. I'm doing this. You know, like I, I played sports. I, I played hockey growing up. I, and, and that just, that wasn't it. You know, it, it's hard to understand exactly what that is. So, you know, you go out, you act like a, a dingleberry in front of your friends. And they're like, man, you get that, you get that minute and a half of greatness and that's it. That's all I need for the next month, man. But you know, what's interesting is, is, is uh, when we moved here to Michigan and we didn't really know anybody and my kids were young and my wife and I tried to create structure and put some boundaries down. And some of our parenting was way more strict than the people in the neighborhood around us. We, and we kind of came the no people, you know, Hey, can I watch an R rated movie? No. Hey, can I go have Coke at 11 o'clock at night? No, whatever. And the interesting thing though, is those kids kept coming back over and over and over again, because I think in many cases, they, they were thirsty for some structure to know where the boundaries are. And, you know, to use a, to use a rough analogy. And I use this in my, business side too is you know it's kind of like having a dog right so if you open up the back door and there's no fence and you just say go and the dog runs it has complete freedom but it also has a lot of risk could get lost could get hit by a car whatever okay the the other side of that spectrum is you go take the dog out and you walk it on a six inch leash and you got complete control over the dog but the dog doesn't want that it wants some freedom so it's fighting you you're miserable. The dog's miserable. The experience is miserable for both. So what I think you want to try to create is almost like a dog park where it's a fenced in area that has rules and boundaries that you want to sort of abide by, but it's a controlled freedom. Like your kids can have some freedom within the structure. And, you know, I, I kind of use yeah, boundaries. I use that philosophy at, at work with my staff and, I, I try to imply that, you know, when I coached, um, hey, you got to, you know, you got to play. Let's hear the play. You got you want to try it this way. Let's try it this way. Nope, but that's getting too far. Let's dial it back some. You know, you want to give a little bit of freedom, but within a controlled situation. And I think that garners the best of both worlds, maybe, you know, because because then that's you can. Funny build, you say this. Well, you can build a self-worth and a self-confidence that you said, but you also have a bit of a protective boundary where you know they're not going to get hurt like i said if you open the door and the dog just sprints out with complete freedom it's gonna get hit by a car yeah it doesn't know where the boundaries are oh it's it's this isn't a political podcast but you you essentially just metaphorically described the political spectrum um you've got one side where some people's needs are met you've got another side where other people's needs are met but then you have this 
massive group of an 80% of people that are like, what the hell? Like, you know, what is going on? You know, you've got the authoritarian and then you've got the free spirit. And it, it all comes down to balance and boundaries and being able to, you know, as a parent, if you don't respect your child, and your yeah. your child's not going to respect you. It's not on your child to res- for them to respect you. And there is no amount of authoritarianism that your child is going to respect you. You have they'll to fear show you. They'll correct. Feel, no, they will correct. fear you, but they're not you going to, to respect them. you. You have to yeah. show these people growing up what respect looks like. You know, a handshake, eye contact. You know, and, and it doesn't even have to be that yes or no, sir. You can disagree and still be respectful to people you and and i didn't really have that understanding you know i had a lot of authoritarianism growing up um whereas i mean and and jason's talked about his childhood you know i'm not going to speak on behalf of it i just i don't think jason had as much authoritarianism as i did i think he was more free-spirited but he was still kind of lost and i was under a strict household but i was also kind of lost it's like i don't i don't want to do this whole really you know hard i'm, I'm not a hard macho you know? man Randy yeah I'm, I'm not the macho man oh, guy. Yeah. okay i don't mind <laughs> i don't mind hugging another grown man i don't mind opening up about my feelings because for the first better half of 22 years of my life my feelings were shut off through multitudes of people and i learned what real confidence is and i learned what you know a wholesome interaction is i learned what being genuine was all about and, and there was no amount of parenting or mentorship that taught me that. I had to teach that to myself. Um, that's a tough thing, um, especially as a man. And not to dive too hard into men's mental health, but I, I do want to talk about it. I, I really do. I really want to make it a point. Men's mental health right now in the grand scheme of things, man, like we're coming off that boomer generation of like 50 to 60 years ago where you know, guys just straight up didn't talk about it. And then they'd end up killing their wife and family. And it's like, whoa, you know, he mowed his lawn every Sunday. What happened? <laughs> you know, we got to talk about this stuff. If something's on your mind, bring it up, man. Because because yeah. men's suicide accounts for three times more than anybody else in this world. And that that kind of stuff, man, a fishing trip, dude, a hunting trip, going on a hike, climbing a mountain, doing something that you don't really know how to do, but you didn't think you could do. That does a lot for a man. And that, that'll also do a lot for many other people. But my focus is on men because men have the issue of bottling up and staying, you know, they doubled down, you know, you got that hard ass guy, you know, I've had a hard ass hockey coach before. And I told him one day, I said, you're just a big softy. He doubled down on the hard assness. Right. And it's like, that's what I meant. See what you're doing. You doubled down on it to prove a point. And we, you know, men, you know, whether they talk to, women, other men, whomever, it doesn't matter. But, you know, this kind of stuff, we have to talk about it, you know, and and that's why, you know, I saw the Rising Tides project and I was like, dude, this is perfect. This is a perfect thing for all of us to have a conversation, all of us to, you know, you have a platform and I have a platform to talk about this because Jason and I just can't bring this up on a Monday episode, you know, (laughs) hey guys, just to let you know, men's suicide accounts for three times as much as anybody else's. Um, But no, I mean, Dude, what do you know, guys, men, we are there's more alcoholics, there's more addicts, there's more everything. You know what I mean? 
whether it and, and, and it gets darker too, you know, physical abuse, murder, things like that. And those are all things that I think men do as a projection to deal with an issue that's in front of them that they were never taught how to deal with. I, and I, I, that's I all I got. No, I would agree with that. I think um, you're seeing a rise in, in suicide. You're seeing a rise in alcoholism and drug use and so forth. Um, and it's a coping mechanism for this sort of, like you said, underdeveloped ability to emote, communicate. And, communicate. and you know, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my very best friends on the planet um, is a guy down in Louisiana, and we do this fishing slam we go down and we hit it hard for four days out on the water up at dawn back when this after the sun's gone down and the mosquitoes have sucked us dry and we put in you know 100 125 fish in a boat and just having a great time and you know we can be out there and 30 minutes can go by and none of us say a word to each other i'm in my own thoughts he's in his own thoughts i'm on the bow you know uh he's he's on the other side doing his thing and um and then all of a sudden he'll say something like, you know, my divorce was really tough on me. Just yeah. out, of, out of blue. And I'll be like, in what way? How's your son handling it? And we'll get into this 30, 40 minute conversation, you know, as we both just throwing, you know, live shrimp out there catching redfish and we get into some deep stuff. And, and I, I think, um, I think you're right. I think men have been taught to, to bottle it up, bottle it up. I think men's roles in society now and in relationships is, is probably more confusing than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of lost individuals out there and um, it's hard to be a mentor to a young person when you also feel lost. And so I, I think, I think it's even easier. Actually, I disagree. And so here's why, because it, it, it brings in nuance and I've got that big fixation on nuance, Ben, you don't even know. <laughs> it allows it allows that conversation to happen. Jason and I don't ever see eye to eye. I mean, you know, like obviously we do, but you know, we'll have a we'll have a conversation where we don't see eye to eye and that allows that that allows that nuance to happen. That allows that conversation to happen where it's like, man, I don't really know what to do either, but like you know, both of us need help and we can help each other. I think you know, that's and that realization is hard to make. No, I know, but I think there is a, there is a generation, as you referred to, that um, well, don't cry about it, you know, yeah. bottle it up, you know, be a jeez, man, bud. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. And I think so. It's hard to get the conversation started. I think um, yeah. in that sense, because I see and, what you're saying. But but to, to the nuance, you're 100 correct. I think you know and. Listen, I, I've got as many low tides as anybody else. So sometimes when we go out fishing, it's about me. It's about yeah, stuff. I, yeah. You know, I'm I'm not the know-all, be it all. I'm I'm out there seeking some some uh you know reflection and some camaraderie as well. And but that's uh, what the group's all about. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's got um I think everything you said is right about about men. It's just it's harder, it's a little bit harder. But these types of organizations, or whether it's a softball league or a bowling league or a fantasy football league or whatever, just just finding other people that you know you feel comfortable uh, talking to. And you were saying earlier, you know, you guys talk about different things, and I think that comes down to trust, right? So if you if you trust me to give you good advice and to have your best interest, 
then you're going to open up a little bit more. And so finding somebody that you can trust in, and then maybe they come from a different walk of life. Maybe it's a female, maybe it's an older person. It's a younger person. It doesn't have to be the exact, you know, same dynamic uh, is important. I think that's the key. That's the beauty of those dynamics is that that kind of help. um, You know, you're, you're going fishing with football players, you know, me growing up, football players weren't fishermen. You know what I mean? Like you saw them as football players. And, you know, like you said earlier, like Jason and I do that all the time. I mean, we'll go fishing and be 45 minutes of silence, you know, other than like, Hey, got a fish. Hey, take a picture, you know, go back to regular, go back to regular fishing. And then it's just like, can you believe that? Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's just, it's on your mind. And it's, I think it's easy it's very easy. You know, it'd be a lot easier for me to have a conversation with Jason uh, where it involved some kind of vulnerability right. while I was fishing than it yep. would for me to just call him and be like, Hey man, this is what's going on. It, it's a lot easier for us to just be fishing and be like, can you believe this happened? Same. Absolutely. The same. Yeah. So Ben, do you, uh, you said you you like football. So, are you a uh, who's your who is your NFL team? I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. Okay, through and through. How do you think through they're going to be? I, I, I was I was the bag on the head, 1970s Aints, New Orleans Aints. That's how far I go. <laughs> yep. I'm not a I'm not a, a Drew Brees jump on the wagon guy. I suffered through the through the. The rough patch. Um, I think we have a very talented team. I think it's all going to come down to Jameis Winston. Can he stay healthy and can he execute this offense? But uh, you know, I think I think they have an opportunity to sort of get their footing again, coming off of last year. Um, and uh, you know, it, they always got to get through Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, but we'll see. You know, it's a promising year. There's a lot of new faces for sure. I'll definitely need a program guide for. For this season, to look through some, some of the you got players. Chris Olave, yeah, yeah, no Olave. kidding. That was that was we were rooting for him in the draft. My son he was in Columbus beast. and he's texting me. He's like, "Let's get Olave!" And when they announced it, he he, he Facetiming him and his roommates were screaming and running around the the college house. So I love so that. What I like about the Saints is they they tend to draft Buckeyes for whatever reason. They they love drafting Buckeyes. They had like Von Bell or Von Bell. They had Michael Thomas. They got all these Buckeyes on their team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Will Smith Um, is no longer there, but with us. But but yeah, they they definitely uh, have a thing with the Buckeyes for sure. Colin Cowherd said that. uh, (laughs) You know who that guy is? I never heard of him. He said they should get Baker Mayfield. Um, No. I, I don't have anything against Baker. I, I don't I, honestly. I can't say I know enough about him. I know they. I know they kind of ran him out of Cleveland pretty quick there. Um, well, I think he ran himself out. Maybe he ran himself out. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, he has a lot of commercials to his name. I'll say that. So. I'll t- I tell. I say that all the time. I say he's a great actor. Yeah. Great actor. Don't know the way about that Baker Mayfield football. acts is the way that Josh acts. They're kind of the same person. <laughs> I yeah, but you see the difference yeah. between him and me is I got that out of the way ten years before he even started. <laughs> that, that, that guy needs a fishing trip for sure. He does. He does. I, he, needs to, he needs to look me up for sure. That boy's got some demons. And 
<laughs> I I think um I think deep down, you know, if we're gonna dissect Baker Mayfield here, you know, in a way that no pro football talk would ever do it, is that <laughs> he's got he's got confidence issues, but his confidence issues are intertwining with his ego issues, which is much bigger than his confidence issues. He has an ego the size of Texas, and his confidence is the size of Rhode Island, and his skill is somewhere in between those two. If he could just learn how to be more confident and play the game the way it's supposed to be played, not the way he wants to play it, I think he'd be a better quarterback. Well, and maybe it has to do with the whole walk on here, walk on there. And he's still in a way trying to prove to himself that he belongs much over, you know, more over an NFL team. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. Some of the people with the biggest mouths and the biggest egos are hiding the biggest insecurities. And I'm always a big fan of, you know, the guy that just kind of walks the walk, like doesn't say much. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put up. I'm gonna put up forty on you tonight. Tom Brady. That? Tom Brady. There you go. You know. Um, and I so, can't stand Aaron Rodgers. Now that we're talking about quarterbacks, that guy. <laughs> that guy. He has got to have a serious attitude adjustment. Yeah, I don't know that I'm a giant fan either of his. No. But it's it, it's it's probably less about personal. It's more about he's had his way with the Saints a couple times over the last couple of years. Although we won last year in our first game against the Packers, but um, yeah. Yeah, dude, it was sad. What happened to him in the uh, NFC Championship game this year? They scored a touchdown on the opening drive and then never scored again. That's and uh, he missed he missed wide open receivers that he's never thrown the ball to because he has no confidence in throwing the ball to anybody who is not Devontae Adams. Yeah. So, you know, he goes and throws that hissy fit, and then they draft all the new wide receivers that you know he asked for uh, this year, and then he decides to not show up for training camp. So it's like, cool, we got you all these new players and you're not going to come and practice with them and try to build any kind of camaraderie with them. Uh, Any kind of, you know, any kind of structure with these new players at all, he'd rather just go hide in the mountains somewhere. So I don't know, man. I know he's fished a few times, but it hasn't helped. (laughs) Now we're going to be talking. See, now you're thinking about the mental aspect of that football game, Jason. That's right. (laughs) Diving deep. Ben. There we go. We are... um, we like to eat on this podcast. We like to eat when we're fishing. And out of curiosity, we just want to know what your favorite fishing snack is and be specific. Don't just say beef jerky. Don't just say cheese crackers. I want I want brands name. I want some names. I'm in right now into this scorching barbecue Pringles for some reason. Never I I them. yeah, I grabbed some at a I grabbed them incorrectly at a gas station on the way to fish. I was I was getting home and i was like starving and i was like no i gotta get on the water the wind finally sat down and i was like i gotta get out there it's gonna be crystal clear and it'll be great and i stopped at this gas station to gas up my truck real quick and i thought i was grabbing like regular barbecue but it was like the scorching barbecue so it's got like a little extra kick and i'm i'm kind of hooked on those things right now man that's that's my go-to if i just how need spicy something are they? what's that how spicy are they well, I'm from New Orleans, so everything is not very spicy to me. So, Makes sense. Makes you know, sense. I, I've had people in Michigan give me the big disclaimer: "Hey, man, you you, you know, have a glass of milk next to you. We, this is really no. spicy, and it's it's like a Cajun version of a Michigan dish, and it's like as spicy as vanilla ice cream, man. I and I I put on a big front. I'm like, oh, whoo, 
And I'm thinking to myself, God, give me some Tabasco. I got a doctor. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, are you familiar with Stevo seasoning? Stevo seasoning. I don't know it's, that I am. It's a Louisiana, like 100% only Louisiana thing. I had a buddy from Louisiana send me some. Yeah. Well, there's a, so one like, of my favorite things. Okay. I'm sure I do, but the, and but you got to understand there's it's probably, a Cajun seasoning. It's if like you've had Cajun seasoning down there, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But um, I mean, there's nothing better than some black and redfish, man, done right. And then and uh, I'm gonna have to next time I go down there, I'm gonna have to bring some up for you guys. And you just reminded me. Get get some some kind of way. I've got one last question. Sure, and I do love some black and fish and black and chicken, but yeah. so. You're a well-traveled man. You have fished, you know, both sides of the United States. Um, yep. What is your favorite species to fish for? You know, I knew you were going to ask this. Um, oh, come on. No, I did. I did. I, I I love redfish and speckled trout in the Louisiana marsh. There's just nothing better than that, for sure. Um, but back in the day, we would go out to the oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico and fish mahi and king mackerel and cobia and some of those game fish and man there's just nothing better when those things hit like when a king mackerel hits your line and strips off you know 150 yards it, there's just nothing better than that that's that's heaven to me so i would say one of those saltwater game fish king wow. mackerel wahoo mahi something in that ballpark but I'm gonna flip it to you, flip it real quick. I'm yeah. really getting into fly fishing up here. I love it, and it's a complete. You know, that's power fishing versus artistic fishing in, in, yes. in the fly fishing world. And I love just the simplicity. I mean, it's hard, but the simplicity of just I'm gonna just put this fly right here and let it drift and hope for the best. And and when they hit that fly, especially if it's you know if they're coming up for it, oh, that's awesome too. So, Have you fished for those steelies in Michigan yet? I have. Um, I've been out chartering a couple times in, in Lake Michigan and uh, it's, it's great. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed that as well. So, yeah. I've always wanted to catch those. Yeah. I mean, those suckers can get big too, for sure. Yeah, they can see my, my personal issue with uh, saltwater fishing is I've never done it because I've always been afraid that uh, fishing saltwater will ruin bass fishing for me forever. Uh, <laughs> so has it, What's that? I said it possibly will. Has it ruined it for you? Ooh, no, I just I just look at it like two different two different games completely to me. Um, you know, it's like you got sports and then you got basketball, you got hockey. You got to me, it's a whole different sport. You know, if you're out there power fishing for king mackerel or you're or you're trolling for tuna or something like that, or Marlin, I think that's completely different than just hunkering down on a reservoir or, or, you know, a, a inland lake or something and, and just finding bass. Um, you know, one of the things I, I love, we're getting into the, you know, season here before too long where I can start throwing some top water frogs for largemouth. And that's, that's probably my favorite discipline for largemouth. I mean, I, I love it all jigs and crankbaits and whatever, but there's just something- a bad day with top water frog bite. Oh man, you skim one across a lily pad and that sucker comes up and gets it. That just, that just gets me going. Yeah. Have you fished a uh, Lake St. Clair yet? 
I have not, but everyone up here has told me that is a bucket list thing to go do. Yeah. It is on my bucket list. Yeah. Very top. So I don't think I could live in Michigan and not fish Lake St. Clair. I got to, I got to get over there for sure. You know, this thing keeps me busy for sure, but I, I need to get, uh, I need to get over there and do that because it, it, it constantly comes up to the local anglers here that I talk to like, Oh, you got to get on St. Clair. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's on the to-do list for sure. Well, you're going to have to rising tide. <laughs> there you go. You're gonna have to get over there and let us know how it goes. So, Ben, before we go, we do have one question for you that was submitted by a by a listener. I, I don't our... think that question had anything to do with Rising Tides Project. Well, I'm okay. gonna ask because it's oh, hilarious. Jesus. So, uh, Bedard Fishing asks, "Does a rising tide lift all boats?" <laughs> <laughs> a rising tide does lift all boats that's what i'll say i think that's it what I'll say. yeah i think it does uh, yeah well you know I, again just like i said some days i'm the one with the low tide that goes out there and and those those people that i fish with have no idea of that because i try to put on the coach mentor all right we're gonna catch today they're gonna be biting us but i might have just had the crap of crap days and yeah. I'm dealing with my own junk and, and sometimes it's, it's, it's therapy for me. It's, yeah. they don't realize what, what it is, but it's therapy for me. So Absolutely. it does, it does raise all tides for sure. It does raise all boats. All right. Well, Ben, before we go, before yeah. we go, we want to give you a minute to uh, let everybody know where they yes. can find you. Um, website, Instagram, Facebook, if you want to go ahead and plug it here. Thank you very much. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm, I'm kind of more of an Instagram guy than any other platform at this point. And it's rising tides project. So tides is plural because that gets misspelled rising tides project. You can see uh, the post, the storytelling. We do some really unique storytelling. Um, we do giveaways and you can see our online shop. So we sell, mugs and shirts and hats that have the logo on it uh decals you know vintage decals and stuff and 100 percent of the proceeds goes to the program i i literally don't keep one penny of, of anything so if someone wants to support us that's the way to do it the other thing is our website which is www.risingtidesproject.org it goes much deeper into kind of our mission it's got some videos um, again, it goes into the storytelling. We, we tell stories about some of the individual participants that are willing to share um, kind of what was going on in their world. And we hope that they find that inspirational. So Instagram at Rising Tides Project and the website are probably the two best ways to find us. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you for joining us, buddy. We, we really appreciate talking to yep. you and uh, we Thanks, can't guys. wait to see see what you guys do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to get on here and talk about uh, our little passion project and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, Absolutely man. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, yeah, go you too. Do some hey, stay, stay hydrated, you know, drink up a little bit. Please, for the love of God, stay hydrated because <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's the first time I've ever been clinically dehydrated and it is awful. It ain't no um, joke. Yeah. So love you guys. Have a yeah. great weekend. We'll see you, Jason. Thank you so much, Ben. Yeah, take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. We'll see you guys.